I titled my sermon today, Jesus Breaks All Barriers. And who is this Jesus in the story that we're listening about? Who is this Messiah? A lot of people choose not to believe he ever existed. Yet every time they write a check, every time they look at their calendar, they see the date. 2023 after Jesus. You're going to tell me someone who splits time in half did not exist. I don't think so. Jesus is real. And people tell me all the time when I preach his message because his message compels me. I can't help it if I have the opportunity to tell anyone who Jesus is. I have no fear, not because of who Caesar is, because of who Jesus is. I know God has the power to transform a nation. I know Jesus has the power to transform a life. I know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. I know his love is so great that even though we are sinners, he breaks all barriers so that he can have a personal relationship with all of us. I'm telling you today, if you're visiting for the first time in this church, if you're visiting from the event that we had this weekend, if you've heard who Jesus is, today I want Jesus to become real in your life. And it's not what I want, it's what his word says and what the story says. And Jesus becomes real in this woman's life. A woman who was a sinner. A woman that nobody wanted to deal with or hang out with. A woman that was cast away like so many of us are. Like so many of us have sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no one here better than anyone else. Because if you've sinned once, you're separated from the, from the holy God because he is holy. Therefore, no one of us are better. No one is greater, shiner, shinier, or holier. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's what the word tells us. And in this story, we see how Jesus becomes alive. The gospel of John, where the story is, teaches us the power, the character, and the purpose of Jesus. Who is Jesus? What was his purpose? What did he came to this world to do? It is one of the most important writings in the Bibles when we look at the gospel of John because it describes exactly who he is. If you've never read, read the Bible before, read the gospel of John. Start chapter a day and it will introduce to you to the pivotal moment of who Jesus Christ is. In chapter 1 we learn how God became flesh in the presence of Jesus. In chapter 2 we see his miracles, his, his, how he turned water into wine. He, he wasn't just anybody. He did miracles that people went, what? What was that? Jesus is not just any ordinary being. 
We also begin to see that Jesus values what he values when he demands respect for God's temple. By clearing those who had turned God's house into a market. He had values. He had things he stood for. And he was there sent by God to represent God. He is one, him and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Chapter 3, Jesus shows us a picture of a personal evangelism with Nicodemus, a religious educated man with high ranks. Then in chapter 4, today's story, Jesus gives us another important lesson in how important it is to contextualize the gospel and to go where people are at. Because, you see, and today, I don't want to offend anyone, and I don't, I don't want to offend any church or any pastors, but you see, we are used to doing events for community and invite people to our event, our church. But Christ doesn't give us that example. Christ left heaven to come into a sinful world to die for us. He's the number one being that teaches us that we must go where people are at. And that is what he does with the Samaritan woman. He goes to have an encounter with her. A personal encounter with her. And we as Christians, if we know Christ, I want to ask you today, when was the last time you have gone to have a personal encounter to proclaim Jesus Christ to those who don't know him? It is important that we preach his message in any context. Yesterday we were dancing salsa. Yes, I know we're Baptists, but we were dancing salsa and we were listening to Latin music. But we took the time to say that he is the clave. He is the only way to heaven. He is the Christ. He is salvation. Now, I don't know how many people thought about it. I don't know how, people, how many people ignored it. But everyone who was there had a chance to hear who Jesus Christ is. So what does Jesus do in his story? Jesus left Judea and was headed towards Galilee. He had, he had a destination to go to. It's like when you have an appointment, there's somewhere you got to be at. This was Christ. He, 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 was, he had a destination with the disciples. This was not a, a, an unusual route to go to, you know. And, and he doesn't go around Samaria. He goes through Samaria and he goes to Samaria. And now this was a place where Jews didn't hang out. This was like if a Toronto Maple Leaf fan went to, you know, a bar that's all Montreal fans. And walked in there with his jersey. Everybody would look at him and go, are you lost? That's what Jesus did. He went to Samaria where no Jew will go. And probably the disciples when he went to Samaria goes, wait, we're, we're going to Galilee. Why are, you, why are we here? This wasn't a, a usual place where Jews went. Why? Because first they had theological differences. The Samaritans rejected the writings of the prophets. The scriptures were limited to the Pentateuch, Genesis through Deuteronomy. So they had theological differences. And those who are in church, we know that's huge, right? We as Christians, oh, we're not going to go hang out there because, you know, they do other stuff. They do things differently. So that was the first thing. They had theological differences. They worshiped in different temples. After the Babylonian exile, when the, the rebuilding of the temple occurred, the Samaritans' people refused to help. They didn't participate in the rebuilding of the temple. 
The Samaritans let Alexander the Great have days in their land knowing they had anti-Jewish allies. Imagine that. That would be like if someone's attacking Canada and America let them station their planes so they can attack us. I hope they, never, they don't ever do that. They haven't done that, but we would have liked that. We'll be in trouble. Or vice versa. This is what the Samaritan did. So you can see Jews didn't hang out there. Here there was a history. When the Jews had their change, uh, had, their, had their chance in 128 BC, they attacked Samaria and burned their Mount Gelsium temple. So the Jews did their things to the Samaritan too. So there was rivalry. There was a history. There was a social class. There was a, a, a religious clash and they didn't mingle with one another. All this was good reason why the Jews would not dare to go through Samaria. But Jesus broke all racial barriers, all history, walked through it, and met the Samaritan woman right there in that land. You see, in order to reach people, we're going to have to break barriers. We're going to have to go where Christians don't usually hang out. We're going to have to take things that usually Christians don't like to take. And if it's making us uncomfortable and if it's difficult, guess what? That is called missions. Missions is to leave everything in your comfort zone to get into an uncomfort zone in order for the gospel to be heard. And you ask any missionary, they will tell you that. They have to learn a new language. They have to go to a foreign land. They have to learn new culture, new customs. They have to learn to eat new food. We have a young man here who went to Sevilla, and I know that as an American, you know, he probably when he went to Sevilla, he was used to, you know, eating around 7, 6, and go to bed around 10. Well, in Sevilla, they sleep siesta until 6, and they invite you to eat at 10. And when you get there, they start cooking. Because they want to cook with you and talk to you while they're cooking. Though you're eating around 11 and then they want to talk to one on a school day. You get home around 2 and to them that's normal. So imagine this American young man getting home. He's like, what? These people talk at 2, 1 a.m.? So there's a cultural barrier that we must learn when we go on mission in any context in order for the gospel to be heard. Now, all culture and our mission is people that don't know Jesus and do things differently. And last night, there was people, you know, this weekend, there was probably people that did things differently. There was probably people swearing or drunk or whatever that we're not used to. But guess what? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. Whoever. Our job is to love everyone. And when we're really tested in love, is when we love those who make us uncomfortable. That is true love. It's unconditional love. And 1 John says, if we're not able to love people the way Jesus loves us, guess what? We're liars of the gospel. So if you want to live the gospel, it's time to live for Christ. And truly learn to love people the way he loves us. So Jesus arrives in this Samaritan territory in a town called Sishar near the grounds of Jacob and giving his son Joseph 
It was here when Jacob's historical well was located. He arrives tired, thirsty, sits on the wall, and sits by the well. And here is the Samaritan woman. She is by herself. There's no one there. And the worst time and the hottest time of the day in the afternoon. And I know this time. Because I was a missionary in Seville, and Seville is right across from, from Africa for where all that land is. And in that time of year, it is hot, 50 degrees, with the sun leaning on you and pressing on you. It is hot. And that's why nobody went to the well at that time. All the women go wash their clothes and, you know, talk and hire, hire your eyelashes and look at their hair. They did it, you know, in the morning or in the evening. They didn't do it at 2 o'clock at this time in the afternoon. Why? Because it was too hot. Now, why does a Samaritan woman go at this time? Because she was living in shame. She had many husbands. She failed in her marriage many times. And she was living with a man that wasn't her husband. And back in the day, that was, oof, not good. And all the women, as soon as they saw her, they were like, yeah, because gossip, you know, it's really old. It goes back in time. And they would gossip about her and talk about, hey, this is a Samaritan woman. She had five husbands. Wow, I heard it was seven. Well, you know, you know what I mean, right? By the time they were done, it was probably 20 that we're talking about. But, and she's living with another one. Wow. So that's what she wanted to avoid that. Never mind the women wouldn't mingle with her or talk to her. Never mind a teacher. A, a Jew who was a teacher of the word of God, forget it. Back then, he wouldn't even look at her. And here's Jesus. He breaks all those barriers. And Jesus initiates, initiates the conversation. Did you, did you hear that? This is important. Jesus initiates the conversation. And what does he say? Can I have a drink? Can I have a drink? Now... Of course, Jesus knew her sins and still broke social barriers and asked her for a drink. Jesus enters a theological conversation by contextualizing his answer. The Samaritan woman responded surprised in verse 9. And if you look at your Bibles in verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Do you hear that? I've heard Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Never mind you. I'm a sinful woman. I'm the lowest of the lowest of the Samaritans. That's just the way things were back in the day. So she's shocked that this Jew talks to her. Jesus enters a theological conversation by contextualizing his answer from the well into living water. And he tells her in verse 10, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is, who is it that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she's like, what? Living water? What's he talking about? Living water. So Jesus is trying to make her understand by contextualizing, by using the water, and by representing who is, so she can understand 
who this Jesus is. Jesus was referring to spring moving living water that according to rabbinic law was used as a ritual, a ritual to, to washing to make people unclean so they can make worshipers pure back in the day before they worshiped. But this living water, you can only get it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it came from streams and rivers. It didn't come from a well. It, didn't, it was a water that just stood there. You understand? The, the water that they used to cleanse was living water that was moving. This wasn't that water. So she's trying to understand, what's he talking about? What do you mean living water? But she does not understand. Ask, where can I get this living water in verse 11? Right? So she's trying, wow, where can I get this? This living water. She still didn't understand. Jesus comments, builds interest, and she begins to, to, to be curious. And look what she says in verse 12. You, you, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also the sons of his flocks and herds? So she's trying to figure out, who is this man? What's he trying to say to me? In verse 13, 13, Jesus states that he was preparing from the beginning. And what does he say in verse 13? He answered, everyone who drinks this water will be, will, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water willing up to eternal life so he's trying to show her that he is the living water like the living water that the Jews and the Samaritans used to cleanse themselves for worship now he is the living water that through him when you believe in him you will never be thirsty again your sins will be cleansed forever and he's trying to make her understand now did she get it by this time does she understand? But still, the Samaritan woman does not get it. She keeps thinking of earthly things. And in verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I have to keep coming here to draw water. Water. So she's like, give me this water. That wouldn't have to come, have to come all the time here. She was looking at it as a physical thing. He told her, go. What does Jesus do next? Now, this is the pivotal point of the story. Jesus identifies her sin with love and respect. Now he tries to make her understand that she's a sinner and she needs Jesus, who is the living water that washes away all our sins. And how does he do that? He does it in verse, in verse 16. The woman said to him, no, he said to her, go call your husband and come back. See, right here, Jesus is identifying her sin with, with love and understanding. He doesn't curse her. He doesn't say, you've had up to seven husbands. Now you're living with a guy and, and go get your, your husband, you sinful woman. He doesn't say that. Do you do that sometimes? Do you criticize people when they drink, when they smoke, when they sin, when they swear? 
We got to be very careful when we point our fingers because we are all sinners. And Jesus teaches us here how he identifies her sin with love and just very subtle. He doesn't criticize her. He just says, go get your husband. And now what does she say? I have no husband, she says in verse 17. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So here, when he identifies her sin, excuse me, when he identifies her sin, this is when it hits her. She says, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Because she's like, how does he know all this? So she says, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but the Jew claimed that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. The woman continues by saying that their fathers worshiped on a mountain, but the Jews claim that they must worship in Jerusalem. Jesus breaks all religious barriers and states that I, it will not matter where they worship. He was referring that his body will be the temple. He will be the one. He will be the temple. He will be the reason. He will be salvation, living water. And he was going to break all barriers for you to worship God wherever you are. Isn't that amazing? He is the new sacrifice. All who believe in, in him will worship in spirit and truth. This, salva this salvation will come from the Jews, descendants of David, a savior for all who believe. The woman acknowledges, yes, 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 yes. I've heard of this Messiah that is coming to make everything clear. And she gets excited. I heard the Messiah will come and he will save us and he will make everything right. And maybe, maybe he, this Messiah will even love me and will forgive me. So she gets excited. Yes, yes, I've heard. I've heard and here comes the most important part verse 26 Jesus answers her I who speak to you I'm here can you imagine when this woman who had heard who the Messiah is realizes he has come to save her personally. Now my question is, is Jesus coming to save you personally? Because that's what he does. Whenever someone tells you who he is, Jesus' word becomes alive and personally is asking you to repent and believe in him. Whenever we proclaim his message, whenever we preach his message, Jesus has come on that day making, becoming real in those people's lives. When Jesus comes to Newfoundland, he comes to save. And he's going to come here in mile one, from mile one, all the way across Canada. And I believe, and I have faith, 
that one day every Canadian will bow and every Canadian will know who this Messiah is. Because if we start knocking and we start preaching and we start proclaiming boldly, everyone will hear who Jesus is. Amen? And it is time that we start in Newfoundland. It is time that we start here. It is time that we start now. Because God has given you and has rebuilt this temple. This temple is new. It's to represent his mark in Newfoundland. In in mile one. And your responsibility is to go to Samaria. Wherever Samaria it is. Whether it's someone home. Whether it's downtown. Whether it's at the gay parade if you have one. Whether it's anyone. And proclaim and say. Jesus loves you. Amen? That is what the message is telling us. What is this story trying to tell us today? What is God telling you today? Jesus made himself available to one who needed salvation. Are you going to make yourself available? To those that are lost without Christ. So that you can proclaim the message of Jesus. We must make ourselves available. But in order to make ourselves available, we got to go where no one will dare to go. In order to make ourselves available, we got to love people the way Jesus loved us. Because every time we sin... And every time we fall, and every time we make mistakes, we're able to rise up the next day because his love will never leave us. Amen? And when we drift away, and we return to Jesus, he's going to greet us with open arms. And he's going to say, come my child, I, I know you. I died for you. Your name is written in the book of life. It's okay. The old has come. Gone. The new has come. We must initiate the conversation the way Jesus did. Don't just go out there and hang out. Don't just go out there among the lost or people that don't know Jesus and keep your mouth shut. You must go and initiate the conversation. You must develop those friendships the way Jesus did with the Samaritan woman. On Friday night after we played, we hung out with some good friends. Some were drinking, some were swearing, but they're still my friends. And some of them are here today. I'm no different than they are. I'm no better than they are. Because I'm a sinner. But because of Jesus, we're able to be one. Because of his love, we're able to become brother and sister. And because of the Messiah, we're able to have the living water that saves and cleanses us of all sins for eternity. Is Jesus talking to you today? Jesus takes risks, breaks breaks every social barrier. He speaks to the Samaritan woman. He breaks all traditions. As a teacher, he goes to her, even though she is a sinner. You see, sometimes the problem is that we have more traditions than really what the Bible says. Don't let traditions 
break the opportunity to tell people about Jesus. If you have to sing, sing. If you have to paint or clean garbage, if you have to play an instrument. Or maybe play your congas. And maybe learn how to do the steps to salsa. Who cares about dancing and instruments? What's important is that there's a Christ that died for you and rose again. And guess what? Maybe in heaven you're going to be dancing and singing. And maybe a lot of the traditions we did here will no longer exist over there. There is a heaven. And when you have that assurance that Jesus died for you and you received them and you believed in this living water, there's nothing more beautiful in life to know. Where your relatives are going or where you're going. Do you know where you're going? I love my mother. She died last September. And the last thing she said to me when I left the hospital, she said, son, keep preaching the gospel. She was a good woman. Raised me, single mother, in Jennifer Finch, Toronto. And I was a rough young man. I don't know how she did it. Because I try to raise my kids now with my wife and myself, and it's hard. And I would say, how did she do it? By herself. And the greatest gift she gave me was to tell me, Jesus loves you, son, go to church. And because of that, I found the Messiah. And I will never stop to proclaim who he is. I don't need to hear his voice. He doesn't need to appear to know he's real because he changed me. And I can tell you, I'm a new man. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. But I have hope and I have assurance that I will be in his presence one day. What is God telling you today? Find ways to tell his story. Break barriers for the lost. Prepare yourself. Break barriers and get out of this building. Don't let this building become an obstacle for you to proclaim the message. Because God may take it away if you do. Build the temple. But go get lost in this and break all barriers. Don't just do community events. Join community events like we did this weekend. And be among them. And tell them that there is a living water. And that there is hope. And that there is salvation in Jesus Christ. I want to close with this text. Look what it says. In Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Are you ready today to call the name of Jesus? Are you ready today to repent and give your heart to him? You don't have to if you don't want to. He is love and love is not forced. If you want to say no, don't say sorry to me after. Because I didn't die for you. Say sorry to him who left heaven to die for you today. 
If you want to give your life to Christ today, today is your chance to do it. Let's stand and finish with prayer. Look what the verse says. I'm going to repeat it. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that you raise him from the dead, you will be saved. In Mark 1.15, it tells us, repent and believe. Repentance means to turn from sin. Repentance means to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. To be serious about giving your life to him. It's not just praying. It's really, truly repenting. And saying, like the Samaritan woman said, Wow. He's the Messiah. Are you truly him? Let's bow our heads and pray. And as we listen to my brother play the piano, if anyone here wants to give their life to Christ, take a moment, I'll give you a moment to pray yourself. Close your eyes, bow your head. And if you want to receive this living water, if you want to receive eternal life, if you want to say today, I believe in you, Jesus. If you want to do this, if you're not sure, maybe you've been coming to church, but you're not sure if you're saved. Today you can be sure. And if you want to give your life to him, say, Lord, forgive me for all my sins. Today I repent. I open the door of my heart and I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. I want to walk with you for the rest of my days because you are the living water and you are the Messiah. It doesn't have to be exactly like that, but similar. So if you want to do this prayer, do it from there on your own and then I'll close. If you've never done this, today is your chance. Close your eyes. And if you want to receive Jesus and ask him for forgiveness, receive eternal life today and receive him and walk with him for the rest of your days. Are you ready? Take this time to pray and I'll close in prayer. Go ahead. Start now. Dear God, many today, maybe there are some here today that gave their life to you. Lord, you know them. If they pray to you and they ask you for forgiveness, Lord, I, I thank you for your message and for saving them today. Lord, may they know in spirit and mind and heart that you have entered their life, that you have entered their heart and that you will never leave them. 
as you did with the Samaritan woman. So, Lord, thank you for this day. You know them who prayed for you today, Lord, and I, I leave them in your hands, and I ask you that they will continue to grow and continue to come to this church and, and grow in your presence, Lord. And thank you for allowing them to come today to receive eternal life and your presence in their life forever. Thank you, Jesus. I leave him in your hands. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. And lastly, the Samaritan woman, after she believed in Christ, you know what she did? She went to tell everyone, I have met the Messiah. I have met the Messiah. So if you pray to receive Christ today, tell pastor, Steve, or tell me, or tell anyone you want. Tell your friends, I have met the Messiah. He's real. He forgave me, and I live for him. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you all.